the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. A reading from the book of Numbers. Listen for God's word to you. The daughters of Zelophehad, belonging to the clan of Manasseh, son of Joseph, came forward. Zelophehad's daughters were named Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirzah. They stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the chiefs, and the entire community at the entrance of the meeting tent and said, Our father died in the desert. He wasn't part of the community who gathered against the Holy One with Korah's community. He died for his own sin, but he had no sons. Why should our father's name be taken away from the clan because he didn't have a son? Give us property among our father's brothers. Moses brought their case before the Holy One. The Holy One said to Moses, Mala, Noah, Hova, Melka, and Tirzah are right in what they are saying. By all means, give them property as an inheritance among their father's brothers. Hand over their father's inheritance to them. Speak to the Israelites and say, if a man dies and doesn't have a son, you must hand his inheritance over to his daughters. If he doesn't have a daughter, you will give his inheritance to his brothers. If he doesn't have any brothers, you should give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father has no brothers, you should give his inheritance to the nearest relative from his clan. They will take possession of it. This will be a regulation and a case law for the Israelites, as the Holy One commanded Moses. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes to us from the first letter to the Corinthians. Listen, the message of the cross is foolishness to human wisdom, but for us it is the wisdom and power of God. Christ is just like the human body. A body is a unit and has many parts, and all the parts of the body are one body, even though there are many. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Judean or Greek or enslaved or free, and we all were given one spirit to drink. Certainly the body isn't one part, but many. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? 
but as it is. God has placed each one of the parts in the body just like God wanted. If all were one in the same body part, what would happen to the body? But as it is, there are many parts, but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Instead, the parts of the body that people think are the weakest are the most necessary. The parts of the body that we think are less honorable are the ones we honor the most. The private parts of our body that aren't presentable are the ones that are given the most dignity. The parts of our body that are presentable don't need this. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the part with less honor, so that there won't be division in the body, and so the parts might have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part gets the glory, all the parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Say their names with me. Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, Tirza. Imagine Papa Zolofahad calling from the entrance to the family tent, five names rattling off his tongue regardless of whom it was he was looking for. Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, Tirza, come here this instant. These names were precious to Papa Zolofahad. When the eldest daughter was born, everyone thought sickness would take mother and baby. But they rallied, and so daughter number one was named Mala, stronger than sickness. The second baby pushed her way into the world sooner than expected. The midwives almost missed her birth. Daughter number two was named Noah, meaning motion. When their mother held her third child in her arms, the baby's cooing noises sounded like bird song to her. Daughter number three was named Hogla, partridge. Daughter number four didn't coo so much as she roared in command. Her parents laughed. She sounds like she belongs in Pharaoh's palace. Welcome to the desert, little Milka, little queen. Other men in the tribe of Manasseh doubted Zolofahad's insistence that his daughters were a blessing. No sons, no one to carry on your family name. 
No sons, he acknowledged, but the Holy One has shown me great favor. When daughter number five arrived, he gave thanks to God for Tirza, meaning favorable. Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirza, precious daughters with precious names. Consider, too, how precious those names were to the people of Israel. Out of over a thousand names in the Hebrew scriptures, just over 100 are women's names. And of those few, these five are repeated in four separate stories. They are not the main story, but they are part of the story nonetheless. And they almost weren't at all. A census sets the stage for the controversy. There are so many censuses in the book of Numbers. That's how the book got its English name. Take a census of the entire Israelite community from 20 years old and above by their households was the instruction from God to determine everyone in Israel who is eligible for military service. Israel was preparing to fight against Midian, which is a whole other can of worms. But then, at the end of this census, God added, the land will be apportioned to these enrolled people as an inheritance according to the number of names. To a large clan, you will give a large inheritance. To a small clan, you will give a small inheritance. That put Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirza on alert. Their names are in the census, but only as an aside and explanation that recently deceased Zolophahad the Manassite had no sons. No sons meant no inheritance. No brothers meant no land. And so these unmarried daughters stepped up and spoke out. Their story makes me think of a piece of advice Howard Thurman once gave. There are two questions that you must ask yourself. The first is, where am I going? And the second is, who will go with me? If you ever get these questions in the wrong order, you are in trouble. So often we get caught up on matters of who, who's in and who's out, who's right and who's wrong, who we used to be versus where God is calling us to go. When I think of some of the most heated arguments I've ever landed myself in, I can see how my insecurity about my identity fueled the fire. And maybe you've had that realization too, how a question about who you are, messy, inconsistent, searching you, set you off. 
where maybe you've had a fight that essentially boiled down to see me, affirm me, please say I'm okay. Perhaps you too have encountered a church where who will go with me surpassed where will I go? A church where who is in charge matters more than mission. A church where you have to be careful not to step on the toes of you know who. Paul saw the Corinthian church becoming that way and said, not today. We have already heard snippets of what was going down in Corinth. Rivalries forming around charismatic leaders, some members going hungry at community meals while the wealthy stuffed themselves. Questions about who could eat meat sacrificed to idols. Brewing under the surface are who concerns. Who's in? Who's out? Who gets to say what I can do? So Paul redirects their attention from who to where. Paul points beyond them to God, from whom all things come, who defines us by the cross of Christ, who redefines us as the body of Christ. At the heart of things, who you are is not your culture, not your party, not your personal preferences. At the heart of things, who you are is a child of God, the God who chose to challenge the status quo as a poor man and wound up on a Roman cross, who chose the weak in order to humble the strong. At the heart of things, who you are is a part of the whole, a member in the body of Christ. God put the body together, not any of us. In the body, there is room for diversity of culture, party, and preference. It's expected, even. If the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? Yet seeing and hearing and smelling and holding and walking and bending are all meant to move in harmony. The body of Christ is on the move. God has called it to pursue the work of love in the world. Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirzah, the precious daughters of Zelophehad, knew where they were going. They were going to the promised land, barring any other disasters on the way. They were acutely aware that putting who before where only led to trouble. 
in their speech in front of Moses, the priest Eleazar, and the whole community, they point out that their deceased father didn't run in the same circles as Korah, who made a power move against Moses and Aaron. Korah forgot the whole point of the exodus, freedom in a new home. Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirza, they never knew slavery under Pharaoh. But they had not forgotten why their mother and father followed Moses out of Egypt. Why should our father's name be taken from his clan? Because he didn't have a son, they argue. Give us property among our father's brothers. Moses takes the matter to God, and the Holy One surprises us all. God declares that the women are right. More than that, they are righteous in their words. God instructs Moses to give them property as an inheritance, and then, then God reveals a new mitzvah, a new commandment, making women eligible to inherit land if they lack brothers. Such is the power of God to define community and to redefine who belongs within it. But just because God weighed in didn't mean that others were comfortable with this new configuration of community. At the end of the book of Numbers, the very last chapter, Zelophehad's uncles complained to Moses about their nieces. If they are married to someone from another Israelite tribe, they argue, their inheritance will be taken away from our household and given to another tribe into which they marry. Then it will be taken away from the lot of our inheritance. They are preoccupied with who matters. Who gets a piece of the pie? Who gets to maintain control? Unlike before, Moses doesn't explicitly consult with God. He's pretty sure what the Holy One would say, and so he rules in favor of the uncles. Mala, Tirza, Hogla, Milka, and Noah relented and married their cousins, but they didn't give up. In the book of Joshua, which narrates the covenant community's entrance into the promised land, these women stand before the whole community again to remind their leaders what God had said. They stood their ground. They received their land. For the Corinthians and for us, members of the body of Christ, we also need to keep our focus on what God has done. 
God has put the body together, Paul says, giving greater honor to the part with less honor so that there won't be division in the body. And so the parts might have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. If one part gets the glory, all the parts celebrate with it. This passage is on my mind as our church leaders discuss in-person worship. One of the things that our leaders have committed to doing is to maintain an online presence. It's not only a joy to reconnect with folks who are far away, and it's not only a necessary step to reaching out to more people. Simply put, Remote worship is not second-class worship. There are members of the body of Christ who feel very comfortable in public during this phased reopening. There are members of the body who are not at all comfortable with the idea of being in a large group. And most of us fall somewhere in between. However we feel we will still worship together. A hybrid model isn't easy. It takes patience and members of the body working together. But it is faithful to the call of our servant Lord who unites us in love. Each precious life matters. In the body of Christ, in the covenant community, and in the heart of God. Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirza show us that. Paul shows us that. And the other week, the musician Jackie Camel showed me this truth writ large. Camel lives in New York City where every year on the date, the 3,000 victims of September 11th are read aloud at the World Trade Center Memorial. It takes three hours. If we were to read the names of each person who has died of COVID-19 so far, she wrote, it would take over four days without stopping. On the front page of its May 24th edition, the New York Times published the names of 100,000 people in the US who had died from coronavirus. Each of those names was allowed half a sentence to describe them, half a sentence for a whole lifetime. Camel read 1,000 names, only 1%, and picked out some of her favorite lines. We called him the Grand Poobah. Her backyard birds ate right from her hand. First black woman to graduate Harvard Law School. Quick with his fists in the ring. 
saved 56 Jewish families from the Gestapo. Thought it was important to know a person's life story. Freed from life in prison. Her last words were thank you. Each of these lives, precious in the sight of God, each of these stories somehow intersect with our stories because we are part of each other. As we move toward in-person worship, we will not forget that. We will instead keep our focus on where God is calling us and what abundant grace God provides to sustain us as we journey. For such grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God, from whom all things come, through whom we live, to whom we belong, body and soul. Amen. <laughs>